Hey, welcome back to our next episode of Discipleship 101. I'm here with Pastor Galen Holcomb and Pastor Mike Berry. I'm your host, Eric Marquez. And today we are finishing up this series. Um, This is what, week three? Week three, I think it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about John 6, right? John 6, that's what we're all preaching, except for Galen, who's a renegade, you know? He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants it. No, I'm just playing. It's true, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but most of us were in John 6. And, uh, you know, what really struck me about this passage, you know, so it was a long passage of Scripture that we went through this, this past week. But what really struck me about what Jesus was saying and, or what kind of popped out to me is that, one, everybody was hungry all the time. There's always people hungry in John 6 or in John, the book of John. But... It made me think, right, and we were talking about this before, that people come to Jesus for so many different reasons, right? Uh, not everybody comes to God or to Jesus or to church because they are they they recognize that they want a relationship with God. Some, most times they come because they're they're depressed or they're lonely or there's tragedy or or they're in need, right? I mean, we have uh, so many different. That's why we get we do as a church we we try to uh, meet those needs right whether it's through our food pantry or you know um, back to school you know uh, programs or, or whatever but um, many people come to to Jesus for many different reasons um, but why do they stay what makes a person stay mm-hmm. um, you know it's kind of where I want to I want to go and, and, and talk a little bit about. And, and Mike, we were talking before this, and there's one specific verse that you were talking about in John 6 that really kind of helps us understand, and, and even the disciples that Jesus was talking to, right? He's kind of changing their thinking from chasing earthly food. Um, you know, he's like, don't just chase that, but chase the heavenly one, right? The manna that comes from heaven. Um, talk about that for a sec. Yeah, I'm thinking of John 6.35 where he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. So the crowd was there because there was food, which isn't bad. Like you say, uh, naturally a crowd would gather. Why wouldn't they if someone was feeding them, especially in a time in a place where people had had a very hard time getting food. Um, So, you know, it's not good to shame people. We want to reach out to people, connect with people. Uh, Sometimes Christians put people down that start to come around a fellowship gathering or a church and say, well, your life isn't you know, there, your motives aren't pure. Hey, none of us probably came to Jesus with pure motives. Right. I mean, we talked last week about our stories. I was 18, I was a mess. Uh, someone invited me. I didn't know much, but I just said, I'm just going to check this out. I had very low motives, uh, but I was what you could call a seeker. I'm glad someone reached out to me and didn't yeah. wait until I was uh, had pure motives because mm. I never would have been there, <laughs> right? So right. we don't know. It's we're true. we're right. blind and deaf according to the Bible. We don't know spirits of what's going on. Um, so people start to get an interest, and the goodness of God attracts us as God blesses us. Even uh, the goodness of God and just the, the power of God, the Bible talks about how creation should open our eyes to the fact there is someone above and beyond all of this and mm-hmm. create, hopefully, a desire to seek him and go after him. But eventually there's a line of commitment, and Jesus draws that line a lot in this passage in John yeah. 6. Mm-hmm. Great passage. I encourage you to read it, think through it. Uh, but one of those places is where he talks about, you know, you came to me for food, but I also want to give you something, not physical food, but something uh, lasting, 
they yeah. uh, affects your soul, your spirit, your heart, your destiny, not just temporary, temporarily your physical life. So yeah. the bread mm-hmm. of life. So it's like bread, but it's not physical bread. The bread of life, by the way, reminds you of where Jesus was tempted by the devil. Uh, and he said, man will not live on bread alone, mm. but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, mm. quoting the Old Testament. So there's yeah. physical bread. Yeah, we need it and we, we really want it. Uh, but there's a spiritual yeah. n- nourishment that we need. And there's nothing so. wrong with eating, right? We all logically understand that food uh, nourishes your body, sustains you for life, keeps you alive. You don't eat for you know X amount of time. You could die, right, from starvation. So food's not bad. Uh, wanting food is not bad. Thinking about your livelihood is not bad. But what Jesus mm-hmm. is doing here is he's redirecting their, their thinking to <clears throat> what they're chasing, right? Don't just chase me for uh, the next meal, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't live meal to meal with me. Uh, I, I want to give you something so much more. And so that, that term bread of life means is so important because Jesus is essentially saying something here. Galen, talk to us a little about, unpack that bread of life. What is, what is Jesus saying in this moment uh, yeah. to these, to these disciples? Yeah. I think his, his meaning with this is there's something that goes beyond a temporary fulfillment. And a lot of the times we spend a lot of our lives chasing things that won't actually fill. Like those people that got that meal the next day, they're like, where's the next one? Yeah. Right? I'm hungry. I'm hungry again. I want it again. And all of us know that me a little yeah. bit too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we, we constantly are trying to fill stuff in our hearts and it, and I think it's not just bread, right? That was like a really tangible need. Sometimes it is, the feeling of being wanted or belonging yeah. relationships. Yeah. Having community and you, you chase it or, you know, success or Money. having people think you're something and you try to put that in there, but it never actually fills. And what I love about that phrase, a bread of life, it reminds me of the woman at the well, very similar story. And Jesus comes and same thing. She's chasing every day has to get this water. Cause it's not just coming out of the tap. She's got to walk, you know, mile or two, huge jars maybe on her head. You ever seen those people like holding on their head? Like, man, it's like nuts balanced. I think you'd right? have a hard time with that. I wouldn't build it, but yeah, a little bit harder <laughs> gel. Block. <laughs> yeah, she was going every day to get that. And then Jesus says, Well, let me give you something that'll last forever. Forever. Right? Eternal water of life. And so the same concept. If we are chasing all these things, even the temporary things, mm-hmm. even food that just doesn't satisfy, it, as you said, there's nothing wrong with a lot of these things. But if they become the main thing, we will yeah. always feel empty. We'll always. always feel lost. We'll always feel just not far enough. If only I could get a little bit more. It's like the addict that's constantly just thinking the next one will get him there, the next you know thing. So when he says the bread of life... He's saying there is actually something that will fill and sustain and give you hope, give you joy that'll last, peace that'll last. And at the end of this passage, he says, eat my breath, eat my body and drink my blood. Right. And everybody's like, whoa, cannibalism. Okay. never mind. We're out. This just got weird. (laughs) Yeah. And I think about that. You brought this up before. And I've thought about this, how what we eat is actually becomes who we are. Yeah. And I think our bodies, like our skin renews like every seven years or something. Like, you know, you think you have this same stuff like all the time. It's constantly renewing what you eat. The nutrients become who you are. 
I think about that with Jesus' statement. How often do we take in Jesus so much that it starts to reshape us? We become that's the nutrients. That's the things that that bread of life is Jesus. And we start to renew our minds, renew our bodies, renew our hearts. And over and over time, that bread of life, it changes you. So you stop desiring even. Look, those things are good, but you could give or take it, right? And all of a sudden yeah. you're not finding your sustenance anymore even on the earthly things. Yeah. I think that's so true. You know, the bread of life is also a thing about a theological statement. Jesus is saying, I'm God, right? Mm. I'm the one that came down from heaven, right? You should be seeking that. And that's me, mm. right? And, and, and I'm the bread of life and whoever eats of me, right? Or, or drinks from me will never hunger, never thirst and will live forever. Mm. That's a huge claim, right? Hmm. And it can be, it can be a little off-putting when, you know, you hear the language, eat my flesh, drink my blood, or like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. This is, this is a hard thing to hear. Um, and that's the way it was for the disciples in John 6, where they couldn't, they couldn't get past this. But uh, this, was, this was like, a, 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 it was a hard thing for them to hear, and they couldn't get past it to the point where they walked away, hmm. right? Um, another thought before we, I want to expand on that a little bit, but I want to go back. One other, you mentioned like an addict, right? Who goes after a fix. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought about that. I don't, I don't, I've never met an addict who, or anybody who, um, not just drugs, but maybe alcohol or money or sex, who thought that this thing will fulfill me forever. Hmm. I think what we get ingrained into our mindset is that nothing lasts forever. So you just got to chase it while you can. Sure right? Get it while I can. So if I can get this meal, then I'll be good for today. But nobody's thinking about, they're thinking about their livelihood for the moment, but they're not thinking about their lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so Jesus is, is saying, man, you're chasing these, you're, you're chasing small potatoes here, man. Like what I have for you is so much better, mm -hmm. right? But it, it does come at a, at a hard, a hard line to cross, right? And anybody Who's watching this, right? Uh, uh, maybe you've you've taken that step. You you've you've chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe you came to Jesus for, you know, there was a death in the family, or or there was a a diagnosis, or you're just lonely, or you you want a community. You, you walk through the doors of a church for one reason, but you meet Jesus, who says, "I can satisfy your deepest longing." Right? That sounds great, but uh, it comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. It's not just saying a prayer, right? Eat my body, drink my blood. Uh, let's talk about that because that sounds weird. Um, but what does that mean, Mike? What is, what is Jesus saying when, he, when he's telling his disciples that? Well, again, it's interesting how Jesus uses strong language to shock us. He's trying to get our attention. We talked last week about how the passage where he says, cut your hand off if it causes you to sin. Uh, so he's using the strongest possible language. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, apply things. Um, but so he, he's trying to get their attention. Uh, a related passage, Revelation 3, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door and lets me in, I will come in and eat with them. And he with me. More food. Yeah, like yeah another, right? Food, he knows how to relate to us. So think about how personal this is. He, he also talks about the church being the bride of Christ, right? And we are children of God. So the closest human relationships. Jesus doesn't just say, I want to be your friend. That's true also, but 
is like marriage and parenthood, these tightest things. Uh, I want to actually come into your soul, into your heart, and mm-hmm. sit down and eat with you at the table. I mean, uh, it's a beautiful thing if you understand who God is at all. Wow, yeah. he actually wants to know me and be with me. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrifying thing if you want to live in the shadows and not, and you don't want to let God into your life. If you love the darkness, you hate the light. If you want mm-hmm. to hide everything from God, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of terrifying that he wants to be in your personal life in every little aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's deeply personal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, food, like we talked about, you eat something, it goes through your whole body. If, uh, if you struggle with diabetes, you know, whatever you eat affects your blood sugar and it's, it really is going to, it's dangerous to you. You can't cheat without yeah. having consequences. Mm. Uh, if you're trying to lose weight, I like, you know, some of us are sports fans, you know, I think of the MMA fighters or boxers who are trying to cut weight. Every single thing counts. And when they get on the scale, it's going to be shown for what it is. Mm. So what you eat affects you. Uh, Jesus wants to be in our whole life, not just yeah, our, our finances, our marriage or whatever, it's okay to start with that desire, but he wants to affect everything. What we like, what we don't like, what we do with our time, how we treat people, how we handle mm-hmm. stress, mm-hmm. our past, present, future. It's like food that goes in and affects all of us. So yeah. I think he's using an illustration to try and get our attention. Yeah. Uh, he wants to be deeply, deeply involved, connected with us. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the phrase that stuck out to me throughout this whole passage as I was reading it is just the word belief. And I think sometimes for us especially belief can become something that's mental like you know like oh check yes or no on the test and say yeah i believe jesus is the bread of life yes (laughs) you know but i think why the language becomes so intense or even for us it's hard to understand like what does that actually mean like eat jesus i think that idea of do we actually consume it into everything we are Hmm. And it becomes more than a mental thing. It's an actionable life where the gospel isn't a prayer you prayed at one point or a moment in time. The gospel is Jesus, the son of God coming down and living through you in you and through you, through the spirit of God, where you start to actually live and breathe Jesus. And I'm not just being like metaphorical. I'm like, Serious, like when, what the scriptures tell us is the Holy Spirit comes down and lives inside of us. Mm. And that's the belief I think Jesus is trying to separate from is this kind of like, they're like, you know, even in Acts, you see like, well, what do I got to do? I got to pay some money. Do I got to, what does it mean to be your follower? You know, this kind of thing. And Jesus is like, well, you got to eat me, like all of me. And then later, what happens in, in, in the first couple of chapters of Acts? God himself comes in and dwells inside of us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? Through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I think that's just a key. And as I was reading, I just kept saying like belief, belief, belief. And I think he's trying to distinguish the different types of beliefs that these people had. But as well, I mean, how much more us now in this moment, this isn't something that's distant. How much do we put Jesus as this like, this, 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 always you know just like a set of beliefs beliefs right like as far as like you can have a paper that you have written out or is it your life i think that's that that language just is like so intense because yeah he's making that difference. it's a it's a fulfillment it's a satisfying right you think about being full man and you feel great right you feel stuffed right you get your fill but you think okay uh, my body will process this and then it'll be done right and and jesus is is really speaking to that 
do you believe that if you eat of me, you will live forever? Mm-hmm. Right? That's a change of thought. Do you believe that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you believe that if you got what you need today, you'll be good for another day. But do you believe that that it's even possible? Do you mm-hmm. believe that that what I could give you could last for eternity? Right? That's a big, big thing to, to work with. And Jesus tells them in the beginning um, of John 6 when they say, well, what should we be doing? He says, well, the work of God is this, is to believe in, in who God sent, right? Believe in who he mm-hmm. sent, mm-hmm. which is me. Mm-hmm. That is the work of God that we need to do. That is the greatest work of God we could really wrestle with and do is our belief in the person of Jesus and who he claims to be, um, that he is exactly who he claims to be. I think this is what helps us cross over the threshold of of some of the harder things, right? Like um, where Jesus says, I don't want to be just part of your life. I want to be in every part of your life, right? I want you to eat of me and drink of me. I want, I want... I want to be up like in you completely, right? And and um which means that that happens to go to your job, <laughs> right? Goes to the way you treat your spouse or your kids or your neighbors or your family, your friends. It it matters the way that you talk when you're with this group of people versus this group of people. What um, you look at? Yeah, what you look at, what you yeah. Watch on Netflix. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what you're binging on Hulu with, you know, yeah, like yeah. um all of that matters because now Jesus is not just something that you, he's not a hat or a jacket that you put in, you put on on a Sunday or when you go to a life group. Um, he's with you all the time, yeah, all the time, 24-7. Yeah. And there's something too about just the longevity of how Jesus satisfies that uh, made me think. Um, my old pastor, he used to say all the time, he's probably in his 60s now, but um, he used to say, man, I'm just a, I'm just a guy Jesus saved when I was in college and I just never got over it. Mm. You know, there's something about like, man, I get over so many things like right now, you know, my sports team, they're not doing so great. You know, I won't name them because I love them, but you know, Are you wearing them? You know maybe, oh. <laughs> and you know, but, uh, but they're still my team. But you know, after a while I'm like, all right, it's football season. Like I'm done. <laughs> right. I'm done. Yeah. Take this off, put this hat on, got to change my whole wardrobe, but you know, whatever. Um, but when it comes to how Jesus satisfies, I just never get over that, mm. right? It's just not something you get over. Mm-hmm. It changes you completely. Mm. He is the bread of life. If you eat of him and drink of him, you will never hunger. You will never thirst. Um, I think it's hard for people to, it's a, it's a great idea, but it's a hard saying. Why do you mm-hmm. think these disciples walked away? says in John 6 that they these disciples walked away, right? Um, many of them heard this, and it was hard for them to hear, and so they walked away, and they didn't walk mm-hmm. with Jesus anymore. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that was? Galen. <laughs> That's for our cameraman, so he knows where to go. He's <laughs> calling you out. Kent. Kent. <laughs> Kent is the man behind all of this. So, yeah. Why'd they walk away? Why the hell? What were we talking about? <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I was able to. Uh, uh, the reason I didn't preach on John six this last week—that's been the series we've been going. You didn't have through. an answer to this question. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It does connect. Uh, I got to speak with young adults and shout out to crossover, crossover pursue retreat. If you're watching, you guys were awesome, mm-hmm. man. Hector, 
that dude, he said he watched, he's already watched them both. He's like, the third one out yet? I'm like, hang on, bro. It's coming. So, Hector, <laughs> nice. thanks, man, for listening and letting God speak into you. That was awesome to connect with you. I think the reason, you know, I didn't preach on Sunday, because as I preached on Saturday to the, this retreat, I was preaching in Philippians 3, and I found kind of an answer to that question a little bit in that passage. And so I kind of rotated and like, you know, switched into preaching that. And in Philippians 3, it's this passage where Paul talks about all these things in his life that are so important, that matter so much, that he thought made a difference in what what was going to happen in the future, eternity, all these things. And then he he says he counts them as worthless in comparison to knowing Christ. Mm. And so I was, as, as I was reading through that, I was thinking, man, sometimes though the reason we walk away is because we don't know, like we've been talking about, we don't know how good it is on the other side, right? Because Paul's talking in comparison. He's like mentioning good things. He's like, I was holy, you know, I was passionate about God, you know, in, in, a, in a religious sense, mm, yeah. right? He was doing like the service for God in some ways. It was a little twisted and messed up. And like, and sometimes we have these like passions and these things in our lives that are so important, but I don't think we ever really understand in comparison how good God is. And that's why I think that's so powerful about what Paul's saying there is he says it's it's worthless. He uses the word uh, rubbish. Rubbish, yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, it's trash. It's even just like worse than trash. And some people debate, was he saying like a swear word there? Right? Like, is this like this, like this, like horrible stuff. And it's talking about good stuff, you know, for some of it, like, right? And it's like, man, in comparison to knowing Jesus, it's worthless. But for some of us, I was I was challenging the at the retreat there, and then just what kept resonating with me is for some of us, we just don't know how how good the gospel is, mm. and we've we've narrowed it down, we've made it we've made it into a box, we've put the Holy Spirit in a box, maybe, and so then we mm. we feel like mm, like yeah, I know this guy said I never got over it, but like I don't see it. I don't really see it. Maybe that was like, you know, there's still something you haven't surrendered. Maybe there's something that's like locked up or maybe we've just made God this like little genie that we control. And we're like, man, the gospel is gospel is my ticket out of hell, but it's not a life that has changed. It's not the spirit of God yeah. living in and through me now today. And so as I, mm. as I was speaking on that, I just, then at the end, just even what Paul says is he's like, man, I forget what lies behind and I push forward to what's ahead and I just was in, in challenging people. Some some of us need the Holy Spirit to wake us up to see what we have isn't that great mm. or to bring healing to some of the things that have held us bondage. I think of, man, things that have been done to us maybe that are just like trapping us, shame, regret. We've tried to do something for God, but the addiction held us so strong. And we tried in our own strength, but I just believe that the Holy Spirit can bring healing then. And so it's like, it's like a work of the spirit that yeah. allows you to even pursue Jesus. It's like you have the desire but it, within the spirit. But it makes a difference, right? If, if the Holy Spirit, right? If, if you're trying to put Holy Spirit in a box or, or like into a, a little ticket card that you hold in your wallet, but he's not a person that lives inside your soul, that makes a difference, yeah, totally. right? You're not going to see that change. You're, you're, not, you're never going to experience everything that Jesus claims he can do um, without that 100% surrender. And I think sure. those disciples in John 6, they just couldn't do that. And Jesus turns around, right? 
And uh, you, you were talking about this. Uh, I forgot what verse it is uh, where um, he says, do you guys want to leave too? Right, right. right. And what does is, what is Peter tell him? Yeah. Where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about Peter and the disciples, that the 12 that were there that got it mm-hmm. as where everyone else didn't. Just left, yeah. Right? They left. They gave up. It was too hard. I can't do this. You know, Jesus is asking for too much. When these guys literally gave up everything mm-hmm. to follow Jesus. They had already made that decision, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they saw it. You know, you think about that. Like, they saw Jesus in a different light than some of these people who just saw the bread, right? They like, it's like that discipleship where it's all in intensely. They lived with Jesus for three years. Like, imagine that. Like, you know, they like, they've gotten to see more of Jesus. And sometimes it's like that, you know, the bread is the entryway where we start seeing Jesus. And maybe right on the surface, we're like, nope, too much. Cost is too much. Nope, I don't want that. Yeah. I just wanted the bread. But maybe for some others, it's like the door to the disciples where they're like, wait a second. There is something more, you know, I go back to my village and as the woman at the well and tell everyone what God has done for mm. you is it's like there's there's something can happen. Yeah, you but can't. it's a doorway to see more of Jesus. Yeah, that's a great comparison passage. Hey, let me finish one thought you made me think of to it mm-hmm. and then get back to why they left. But getting back to the eating and drinking, I know it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable saying, um, but, but I think it's good to compare some of the other statements. There's seven I am statements Jesus makes in the book of John. A couple of them are clearly figures of speech also. When he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Obviously, Jesus wasn't a plant, but he's saying, I'm like a plant. Um, and you know the connection is organic. He said, I am the door in John 10. He wasn't actually a door, but he's saying, I'm like a door. It's important to say that because when he says, I am the bread, it's hard to wrestle through that. Some people will say, is he in the wafer? And that's a whole other conversation with communion. That's not yeah. what he was talking about. He's saying, I'm right. like bread, just like you need bread and you eat it and it goes into your body. There's, uh, If you have a relationship with me, he's saying, I will come into your soul and satisfy you like food satisfies your physical hunger. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to uh, get that. And if people trying to argue that again he wasn't a vine or a door but he's he uses that strong language yeah. jesus really pushes uh to that point of being uncomfortable yeah. uh, to saying it's like you have to eat and drink of of who i am because it's organic it's deep it covers everything uh and then mm-hmm. as far as leaving i, I like a comparison I've, I've talked to a lot of people in 12-step programs over the years and i probably should have been in one when i first came to christ honestly mm-hmm. but a lot of wisdom there a lot of deep spirituality and people come around there typically because they have a problem. If you think of AA, which is the best known, people show up, right? Not because it's great food and coffee, because they have a problem. Yeah. And they want relief. They want their pain mm. to end. Or they maybe they were even court mandated or else they're, they're, you know, their marriage is in trouble, whatever. Um, and one saying I've heard a lot of uh, people say is, AA saved my butt. And they should don't say butt. But AA saved my butt. Jesus saved my soul. In other words, I started just because I, I said, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to die. I'm in trouble. I whatever. lost my job, lost my license, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to lose my marriage. Um, but in the process of becoming sober, some of them, their eyes were opened up that there is a higher power. And then maybe they began to understand specifically it's God and it's through Jesus Christ that I can have freedom and live the life I should live. Yeah. There are AA people that say, I want sobriety. I don't want the other stuff. I don't want the spirituality. I don't want God. I don't want Jesus. Or I have my own spirituality, which is self-centered and it's not surrendering to the Lord. Um, so there are people in AA that stay pursuing sobriety, but not Jesus. So there's kind of the, 
the different levels, similar in church. There are people yeah. that come around that say, I'll come around, I, I do need some change, uh, but I don't really want all of that. Yeah. And I, I know some people that go to AA as Christians and they and they use it both for helping people to find sobriety and helping to maintain their own. And they try and they look for those that are having some spiritual awakening. And I know one guy, a friend that I have who says some of them just, they hate him because he'll talk about Jesus. And they say, don't bring that around here, blah, blah. And they just, some people are really offended yeah, because um, they don't want that, even though it is part of it from the uh, origins of it. Um, but some people, they only want the sobriety without Jesus. But he's looking for those that want to go further. So similar in church. Some people Damn. want relief. They want some good things. You said some things for the kids or their marriage. I'll go, you know, because my spouse likes it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or it's a tradition, this, that, or the other. I go at Christmas and Easter, this, that. Or for some people, there's a little, there's a fear of God that when I die, at least I can say I was a part of a church, mm-hmm. but it's not full surrender. It's not, you know, taking it in like yeah. food. So that's, that's a different level of commitment yeah. and different, different consequence. I'm thinking of Peter's words here, right? He says, um, Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, which is great. So that's admitting, right? It's, it's admitting who Jesus is. And then he mm-hmm. said, then they follow up in verse 69 and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, hmm. which means that it didn't happen immediately. It happened over time, right? Right. So you can come to Jesus because you're hurting. You can come to Jesus because you need help. There's something wrong, uh, uh, right? And, 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 and you can get the, the, the bread for the day. You can hmm. get fed. You can get what you need because that's what you need. Uh, but you can also come to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And when that happens, um, man, that will, that's where you, you cross over from being a fan of Jesus to being a disciple of Jesus, where he, he satisfies you in a way that nothing else could. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing else could. Everything else will fade away. Everything else will fail. And I'm sure there's many things um, that we've all experienced, right, um, uh, in our own lives where if we put too much stock in it, we're going to get our feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because they, it fades, but Jesus and what he gives never fades. And so if you're watching this today, just want to encourage you to keep going um, in your discipleship uh, of following Jesus, um, that you would uh, choose to forsake all other things because Jesus satisfies completely and mm-hmm. forever. Right. And um, if, if you've, this has been good for you, we would love for you to share this with somebody, to like this podcast, you know, keep in touch to New Life Plus so that you can see all the new content that we bring out. And uh, thanks for joining us.